Praise God. Praise God. Welcome to Genesis 1 Christian Ministries. Pastor Mike here. Glad you could join us. Why don't we go straight to prayer? Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, O oh Lord God, we just praise you and just magnify thy most wondrous name for this wonderful, beautiful day of life, O oh Lord, in the name of Jesus. And now we've come before you, O oh Lord God, to study your word, O oh Lord. And I pray that for every single listener that would be with us today, O oh Lord God, that Holy Spirit, Spirit will minister to them uh, in his own special way. Lord God, you know the needs, you know the desires, you know what's going on in everyone's lives that are out there listening to this, O oh Lord God. So I pray the Holy Spirit will speak to them, O oh Lord God. Touch their hearts, O oh Lord God. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Heavenly Father, I give this time and this space entirely over to you. Take it where you will for your honor and glory and praise. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen, amen, and amen. Again, praise God. Pastor Mike, you're glad you could join us. And I just want to start out by asking you a very, very simple question, and that is, uh, is, is the earth, uh, does the earth shine? Does the earth shine? Does the sun shine? I should say, pardon me. Does the sun shine even if it's cloudy out? Okay. Does it shine even if it's cloudy out? Is the sun shining? Is the earth round or, or, or is it flat? Is God who he says he is, is God who he says he is. And of course, I've given you three truths there, three undeniable truths. But the bottom line is that the question is, is that do you believe truth? Do you believe in truth? And what is truth? And that's a very, very simple question. What is truth? To the unbeliever, however, answering what is truth isn't quite so simple. The unbeliever can offer definitions like truth is that which conforms to reality, fact, or actuality. And we know from today's current events that reality, fact, and actuality can mean different things to different people. We know that as a fact. Matter of fact, take a look at climate change. I'm not going to get onto the debate as to its reality or whatever, but, but climate change means different things to different people, and especially in terms of what is truth. How many sexes are there out there, okay, depending on who you talk to? Each person will give you their own particular truth. What is the definition of a woman these days is another question that seems to, to stumble and stymie a lot of people. Okay, so truth can mean so many different things to so many different people, depending on whatever their particular thing is in life, okay? But this definition, you know, the, about it being a, it, which conforms to reality, fact, or actuality, and so forth, this definition is not complete because its de definition is all open to interpretation and a wide variety of applications. What is reality? What is fact? The only reality for us believers, the only reality for us believers is God's reality. So remember that. The only reality for us believers is God's reality. And I don't care whether it's the debate over climate change, over, over how many sexes there are. The Bible tells us the answers to that. Um, this earth is not going any place until God is ready for it to go someplace. There's nothing that man can do uh, uh, that's going to prevent uh, anything happening to it in, in terms of any kind of mass extinction or anything like that. God is the one that's in charge. As far as the sexes are concerned, there's a man and his woman. Simple as that. That's our reality as far as truth is concerned. Okay? So it can vary. All right? 
So what does it say? What does that tell us then about in today's world, you know, how real truth is? Let's start off by going to the Bible, okay? Start by going to the Bible, as always. This would be a good time to say, if you don't have your Bible, hit the pause button and go and run and grab it. Amen? And we're going to start by going to Second Timothy uh, chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. And we're going to start with verse number 1. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemous, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such, turn away. From such, turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers lusts, ever learning, ever learning, and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Okay. So man is advanced on so many fronts. Man uses science all the time as, as an excuse, if you will, to deny the things of God. Okay. Man tries to get into saying, you know, I mean, we, we can send, we, we can send people to the moon and so forth. We can send, we have telescopes that can peer into the deepest reaches of the universe. Uh, we have voyage, uh, voyagers and other spacecraft that have gone into the outer limits of our solar system. I mean, man can do all of these wondrous things, but when it comes down to knowing the truth with a capital T, it's denied, and they never come to the full knowledge of it, okay? And this is something that is so problematic for today. This is something that is problematic for today and what is going on in modern society. The same way that you believe that God is God and the sun shines, you must recognize the truth with a capital T. One truth we're going to talk about today deals with God's Holy Spirit. One truth deals with God's Holy Spirit. One truth in reality is that God wants us to walk in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit keeps us from falling victim to the untruths that are so much out there today. If we're able to get ourselves to the point that we are living in the Spirit and walking in the Spirit, as it's called, then that means that you won't be so uh, 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 swallowed up by the lies and the half-truths that are out there today. By the way, a half-truth is a lie because either it's a truth or it's a lie. No such thing as a half-truth. <laughs> Amen. Amen. But if you're walking in the Spirit, then that helps us to, to, to keep from falling victim to the things that are being stated out there today and being sold as truth. This always sounds so out there when you start talking about walking in the Spirit. It sounds so out there and it sounds strange, you know, when we start saying, oh, walking in the spirit, what's this doo-doo-doo-doo, you know, some old twilight zone kind of thing. It doesn't mean that we are walking around in a fog, you know, or unaware of our surroundings, okay? It doesn't mean that when we say walking in the spirit, that you're just kind of walking along in a trance-like state, you know, being guided by God and so forth like that, okay? So what is it, you know? So what does it actually mean, walking in the spirit? What does life in the spirit mean, all right? Life in the Spirit, of course, I'm talking about God's Holy Spirit. Life in the Spirit is a journey. It's a journey. And while there are many great scriptures that discuss the role and the person of Holy Spirit, Romans 8 is perhaps one of the most insightful. 
Okay. Walking in the spirit is something that just doesn't happen overnight. It's a journey. It's a lifelong pursuit, if you will, for us people that call ourselves Christians. Here, I'm going to give you seven suggestions that will fuel a passion for the things of the spirit and further educate you on how to live a life directed by God's Holy Spirit, directed by him. Why don't we go to Romans chapter eight? Romans chapter eight. And we're going to start with verse number one, Romans eight, Romans eight, verse number one. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk after the flesh, but after the spirit. Okay, now condemnation means that there's nothing in us Christians that are walking after the spirit and not following the flesh Condemnation is when, you know, it's done, when you're condemned to a final act of death or punishment or something like that. That's what condemnation is. The Holy Spirit convicts, and you may have heard the contrast between the two. The Holy Spirit convicts. When we slip and sin and do something wrong, the Holy Spirit in, in us tells us, you slipped and, and you sinned, my son. You slipped and you sinned, my daughter. My child, you slipped and sinned. However, here is the way out. This is what you need to do. You need to repent. You need to turn and go in the opposite direction. You need to go and sin no more. That's a conviction when Holy Spirit is telling you that you've done something wrong and giving you the opportunity to repent. Condemnation is what the devil does. The condemnation says, oh, oh, look, you slipped and you sinned. That's it. You're done with. Jesus doesn't love you. God doesn't love you. You're no longer his son. You're no longer his daughter. You're going to die. You're going to spend eternity in hell. You're not going to be with God. That's condemnation. Okay. But the word of God, it says there is now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, which is you and I, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Verse number two says, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, for that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit, again, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Verse five, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. Okay. So in other words, for those, um, for they that are after the flesh, in other words, those who are walking in the flesh and are paying more attention to carnal things, these are the things that are important to them. And these are the things that they, that they go, go after and follow carnal things, fleshly things, Carnal things and fleshly things are absent God. They're without God. Amen. So for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. This is what they pay attention to. But those that are after the spirit, we mind or pay attention to the things of the spirit. That's you and I. Amen. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And I just want to pause there for a moment and just go back and saying that that there is no shortcut to learning how to walk with the spirit. Okay, there's no shortcut to it. It's not just just for us ultra ultra for ultra spiritual people or something like that, nor is it reserved for just charismatic Christians. Okay, it isn't something that is just set aside for a particular group of people. Walking in the spirit is the central metaphor for describing what it means to live as a Christian. The person who walks according to the spirit will, in fact, have the essence of God fulfilled in his life. Okay, 
You can get to the point where you're walking in the spirit. This is where you're going to have the essence of God actually fulfilled in your life, where you start experience victorious living, where when, when, when trials and tribulations do come your way, you still become a, a victor over those trials and tribulations because you're going to be guided by the spirit and not by the flesh. Amen. So we continue here in Romans 8.5. Romans 8, 5, again, I want to go back and pick up from it. It says here, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death. To be carnally minded is death. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Okay. Amen. So pausing again. Now, the question is, how does one overcome the pull of the flesh? It talks about there, uh, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. In other words, minding it, those are the things that we think on, the things of the flesh, the carnal side of life. So how do we pull those things down? How do those pull those, how do we, how, how do we replace those, those thoughts? How do we make sure that our mind is not being filled with fleshly things? Amen. So I want to just go to a little experiment, a little demonstration. Here's a, a glass here, a glass, obviously nothing is in it and there's nothing in it but air. But air, nothing is in this glass but air. Now, what is the most effective way to get air out of this? Obviously, you just can't scoop it out. You can't turn over and turn over and pour it out. I mean, short of putting on a, a sophisticated vacuum, air vacuum pump, there's no way to get that air out. Amen. But the way that you can replace that air is by simply taking some water, by simply taking some water and pouring it into the glass. And as you're pouring that water into the glass, obviously, the air is coming out. Now, I'm going to be careful here that I don't overfill it. But if you pour this water all the way up to the top, then obviously there is no air left in this glass. There's no air in it because you've replaced it and you filled the glass with water. Amen. So when it comes down to the fleshly things, the fleshly thoughts that are in our mind, how do we replace them? We've got to fill our mind with something else. The most direct way to get all that air out of the glass, as I said, is by filling it with something else. Now, you cannot ex you cannot take thoughts out of your mind that displease that displease God, uh, you know, that displease God, God from our minds. You know, those thoughts coming out of our mind is can be a challenging thing. OK, you wish you could just take some water and just pour it over your mind and replace all of the negative thoughts. OK, but we have all these all of these negative thoughts that are contrary to God. And those things include uh, uh, things that are, are worldly behaviors, you know, like breaking man's law. We're not to be violating man's law. And those who are always looking to beat the system by lying, by telling half truths or cheating just to achieve a desired goal, you know, or a desired outcome. OK, OK, this is this is not living God's law. Okay, this is, and when we're dwelling on how do we, 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 we beat the system and things like that and telling half-truths, like I said, there is no half-truths, I would say lying. Okay, when we dwell on that, then that prevents us from walking in the spirit because then we are minding or thinking on fleshly or carnal things. Okay, now similar to the solution to getting the air out of the glass there, there and by filling it up, it up with water, then we need to have our mindset refilled and replaced, okay? Our mindset on a daily basis is, 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 is without any guidance. Our mindset set is to be very, very carnally minded, very fleshly minded, to follow the ways of the world. Okay. So how do we pull that down? Okay. We need to make sure that we're getting those things that are oriented towards uh, the worldly things to get them out of our minds and to get them, our minds filled with and focused on the things of the spirit. Okay. One good, one good example of that is the fruit of the spirit. 
you know, you know, joy, love, and peace, and so on like that. You get those thoughts and, and those those are, are, are concepts deeply rooted within our spirits and in our minds so that we can therefore walk in the spirit. If we go to Romans 8, and we want to pick up in, in verse number 6 here again, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind is enmity against God. The fleshly, carnal, worldly mind is enmity, is at odds with God, in other words. Okay, it's like oil and water. Okay, okay. The, the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. All right? The carnal mind is not subject to the laws of God. This is why you hear people that say things that are so obviously ungodly. They say those things because their mind just cannot receive the godly things of God. It is just not at a place that it can. That, that it can do that. The carnal mind is enmity, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. If you're living a lifestyle that is fleshly based and carnally based and as simple as that, you cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so, be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Okay. If the spirit of God dwells in you, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, if it be that the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Amen. Amen. If any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, if Christ be in you, if Christ be in you, the body, your body is dead because of sin, because the spirit is life because of righteousness. The spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, this is the Holy Spirit now. If the spirit of, of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. Amen. So the same way Jesus body was quickened, quickened means to be made alive. OK, the Holy Spirit will also make us alive, will quicken us. Okay. All right. Therefore, brethren, verse 12, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. If you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. So we need to mortify the deeds of the body. Stop sinning. Okay. Stop, stop being pulled into fleshly or carnal thinking and fleshly and carnal actions. We need to change how we think and how we behave. Verse 14, for as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For as many are, as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. They are the sons of God. The person who has been regenerated by the spirit is not stuck in sin. Okay. If you've been regenerated by the spirit of God, then you are not stuck in sin. By the spirit, the pull of the flesh can be resisted. Okay. And the pull of the flesh is any of these things that would be tempting you to be pulled into sin. Any of those things even that would tend your mind to be drifting towards, uh, uh, um, you, you know, you know, problems and failures in life and, and sickness and infirmity. Any of those things that would pull you away from living a victorious, fruitful life. Okay. Okay. That's considered the pull of the flesh because it's pulling you. It's your flesh. It's your carnal mind. It's your thinking that is pulling you away from what the word of God says about you and the fact that Holy Spirit is there trying to guide you. Okay, you're a born again believer if you are. And if you're not, I encourage you to quickly, soon give your life to the Lord and invite Jesus into your height, into your life. And at that point in time, the word of God says that you'll be filled with the spirit. Amen. Amen. And have the Holy Spirit in your life so that he can guide you. 
and help you to eliminate those negative thoughts, those fleshly thoughts, those carnal thoughts. The devil would want to keep your mind focused on sin. The devil would want you to keep your mind focused on failure. The devil would want to keep your mind focused on sickness and infirmity. The devil would want you to. The devil would want you to. The devil would want you to. There is so much that the devil wants you to do that is counter to the word of God because the devil knows that if he can pull you away from the word of God and have you to not be guided by the spirit and not to live in the spirit, that you will successfully rebuke and repel him from your life. And he does not want you to be able to do that. Okay. He doesn't want you to be filled with the knowledge and the awesome power that Holy Spirit gives you as a believer to throw him out of your life, to kick him out of your life. He does not have authority over you. Amen. He does not have authority over you. Amen. So by the spirit, the pull of the flesh can be resisted to put the death. The deeds of the body is pretty much the same thing as saying no to sin. Amen. Putting to death the deeds of the body is pretty much the same as saying no to sin. Now, however, unlike, remember, you may remember the anti-drug campaign among youth many, many years ago that simply said, remember you saw commercials, TV ads and so forth that simply said to kids, just say no, just say no. Okay. But unlike those ads, those say, okay, just saying no by itself will never be successful. Okay, those were good ads for the times and everything, reminding teenagers just say no to drugs. But even that is not enough. Just saying no, just saying no will never allow you to consistently overcome sin. All right. Just saying no will never allow you to consistently overcome sin. Then what must you do? What must you do? What can you do? You, you, you must say no by the spirit. You must say no by the spirit. Okay. All right. You saying simply, I'm not going to sin. It's not enough. You say, I'm not going to smoke. I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to take drugs. That is not no. You must say no by the spirit. Okay. And what does that mean? If, if we go to uh, Romans eight fourteen again, you see there that it says, uh, for as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Sometimes the Holy Spirit leads us. Okay. And this is what we need to get to the point where the Holy Spirit is the one doing the leading that our carnal fleshly minds, our earthly minds are not the ones leading us through life that the Holy Spirit is leading us. Sometimes Holy Spirit will lead us in a broad, a very general manner. And then sometimes Holy Spirit will lead us more specifically. Okay. All right. Sometimes he'll give you some broad guidance. Other times, depending on what he's doing, he will give you more specific guidance. However, he always leads us through his written word. Holy Spirit always leads us through his written word, which was revealed to the prophets by the Holy Spirit. Okay. And I want you to see that. So we're going to go to, to second Corinthians. I'm sorry. Second Peter. <clears throat> we're going to go to second Peter. Two Peter one. Verse number 20. 2 Peter 1, verse number 20, and it says there, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scriptures of any is of any private interpretation. Okay, let me read that again. Uh, knowing this, that no prophecy of the scriptures is of any private interpretation. In other words, the word of God is not meant to mean one thing to one person and to mean something else to, some, to, to someone else. Okay, so no private interpretation. Okay, what we read in the scripture is coming from God. Amen. Amen. And it is to only be interpreted as it is written, not with our own spin, not what that means for my life, not what this means for your life. 
or thinking about some other other politically correct stuff that's out there. Okay, that's what that means. Okay, it, it is of no private interpretation. For the prophecy, verse twenty one, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. The prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. All right, let's read that again. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of men, but by holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Okay, so the words that you see written here, the words of the books of the Bible that were written by these men, this, this those words were inspired by Holy Spirit. Okay, so it's not for us or anyone to be here trying to interpret these words and put a spin on them to help to justify a sinful way of life or help to justify some of the the, the sinful uh, uh, belief things that we have going on out there today. We can't be twisting the word of God for any private interpretation or for what we wanted to say. The word of God here was inspired by Holy Spirit. So this is where we get our guidance. Amen. This is where we, we get our guidance. Sometimes the Holy Spirit, like I said, will lead us broadly. Sometimes he will lead us more specifically. We are to prayerfully, carefully, and humbly apply broad biblical wisdom, according to based on the word of God, broad biblical wisdom to the situations we face in our lives. Amen? Simple as that. We are to prayerfully, carefully, and humbly apply broad biblical wisdom to the situations that we face in our lives. Sometimes Holy Spirit leads us more directly. Sometimes he won't just give you broad advice or broad direction. Sometimes he will lead you more directly. And the Holy Spirit can choose to act in any way. Understand this. Holy Spirit can choose to act in any way and according to any timetable that he wishes. We do not dictate to him or when or how he will move. All right. right. This is walking in the spirit. This is letting the Holy Spirit guide you through his word, through prayer, through hearing his voice into handle and dealing, dealing with the, 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 the troublesome situations of your life. And he will lead and guide you and give you the insights and the, the unctions to do things based on his direction, his decision. And we can't rush him. We can't, we, we can't, uh, um, uh, uh, guide him. You know, or try and, and, and nudge him in a certain direction. Holy Spirit will lead and guide you as he sees fit. It's not something to be controlled. This isn't something that we just call up, you know, at 12 midnight. Or I have to be to work by 7 o'clock tomorrow, Holy Spirit. This is the action that I need from you. No, Holy Spirit acts and moves as he sees fit. Since the Bible gives many examples of him acting more specifically, we should anticipate that he will sometimes choose to lead us directly if we are open and available to his guidance. This is the key to walking in the spirit. Are you open to his guidance? Have you made your life, have you made your life available to him? Saying, Holy Spirit, take me where you will. Guide me in this action. What decision should I make? Amen. Amen. Let's go back to the word. If we go to uh, Romans 8, 15, go back to Romans 8. Thank you, Jesus. Romans 8, 15, and it says there, you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. 
Abba is a colloquial, affectionate term, like means like like daddy almost. Okay, so this is, this here is saying that you've been received by you have received the spirit of adoption. We've been adopted. I, you, you've been adopted into the family of God, and God has not given us that spirit of bondage again to fear. So that's the first thing that we should be doing in our lives is realizing that we should not be fearing. We should not be fearing anything. We are a child of God. Okay. And you need to bind up that spirit of fear if and when he tries to enter into your life in the name of Jesus. The Lord has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Amen. And Holy Spirit can indeed guide you. Without Holy Spirit, we would never, we would never, we would never know our freedom and identity as God's adoptive children. And that's so hard for many of us to, to understand or to really grasp. You know, the whole concept, the fact that, that, that I, you know, me, you know, yourself, call out your name to yourself, that I am a child of God, that God through his Holy Spirit has adopted me into his family. You know, that's such an awesome concept to really fully understand. Okay, and as a child of God, that means then that you are not so subject to failure so easily. Okay, you're not subject to failure. Holy Spirit can guide you out of any situation and get you to where He wants you to be. He'll give you the guidance. Again, like I said, it may be broad and general guidance. You may feel an unction. Okay, generally, this is where God is taking me. This is what Holy Spirit wants me to do. But most specifically, even many, many times, because Scripture talks about that, Holy Spirit will give you specific directions to take. To give you specific instructions. So remember that without the Holy Spirit, we would never know our freedom and our identity as God's adoptive children. Thank God, thank God, thank God that, 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 that he's freely given us his Holy Spirit and that, and that these verses that we're reading in Romans 8, they display three amazing things that Holy Spirit does. One, it shows that he acts as the go-between he acts as the go-between who takes us out of a place of slave slavery and, and fear and brings us into a place of adoption and ex- acceptance. Okay, let me read that again. He acts as the go-between who takes us out of a place of slavery and fear and brings us into a place of adoption and acceptance. The other thing that these scriptures show us is that he helps us to cry out to God as Father, Abba Father. Holy Spirit helps us to cry out to God. Abba, Father, help me. Guide me. I need some help. I need some direction. Holy Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. Okay. This is walking in the spirit. Okay. And if we go down to our, um, to 22, verse down eight, Romans eight, just jump down to 22. For we know that the whole creation groans and travails in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. We're all groaning, kind of waiting. Lord Jesus, when are you going to return? When are you going to to return, Lord Jesus, to redeem our bodies and to take us home with you? We see all that's going on in the world. Such craziness, such craziness. You know, and there's one thing only that can account for that craziness out there. You know, I heard someone, one that was talking today on, was talking about some of these senseless crimes that's going on on, it's, it's because of the heat. We've always had heat. 
I remember growing up when I was a teenager, there were some summers that were that was unbearable. I was raised in the Northeast, you know, in New York City, you know, and the, and the summers back then were unbearable sometimes with the humidity. But there wasn't the senseless crimes that's going on today. And the senseless crimes are not just happening, happening in, in, in heated or hot weather locations, happening all over the place. And that can attest to one particular thing. It's spiritual activity. It's spiritual activity. You look at the craziness, the senseless things that are just, that there are no motives where people are just killing people, walking up behind someone and stabbing them, or a shootout in the street in broad daylight, okay? This is demonic activity, all right? This is demonic activity. You see, you see, you see, you see so, so, so we know here that, that, that we ourselves are, are groaning, are groaning. Verse 23, and not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to it, the redemption of our body. Verse 24 says, for we are saved by hope. Get this now, we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. Hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man sees, why does he yet hope for it? Okay? All right? Read that again. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. It's a sure thing if it's seen. For what a man sees, why does he yet hope for it? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Okay, but if we hope for what we well, for what we see not, then do we with patience wait for it? Okay. The biblical concept concept represented by the English word hope in the scripture is so strong that it almost is a, syn- a synonym for eager expectation. Expectation. Okay, the use of the word hope here is so strong it, it, it's synonymous with saying that like it, it's an eager expectation. Okay, okay, so I expect something to happen. It's more than hope for me. I expect and I know that Jesus Christ is going to take us all home at the appointed hour. I know and I expect it, I expect to see it happen that God is going to turn around these ridiculous things that are happening, some of these policies that are trying to be brought to pass on this earth. I know and I have, I have an eager expectation that God is in charge and that he indeed is going to set us free from some of the, 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 the uh, mandates and the policies and the, the ridiculous decisions that man is trying to bring about, thinking that he can bring certain things to an end. God is the one that's in charge, not man, not man. I mean, okay, so, 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 but if we hope for what we see not, then do we with patience wait for it? We hope for the things that are not seen with an expectation that they will indeed come to pass. Get that into your spirit, deep within your spirit, and hold on to it, okay? We hope for the things that are not seen with an expectation that they will come to pass, amen? So, so what is the role of Holy Spirit in all this. 8.23 says, says, not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the doctor with redemption, the redemption of our body. Amen. So what, what, what does that mean? Paul says that it is because we have the Spirit that we groan. Okay. It is because of the fact that we have Holy Spirit is the reason that we groan. And the groan is this, um, it, 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 it's this discomfort that we all have. It's this sometimes downright annoyance that we have, that, that things are going on that are, are, are going on. 
the annoyance almost sometimes we have that, 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 well, and I won't, I won't say God, well, anything that happens is being, it's happening with, with God's uh, uh, permission, if you will. God is permitting things to happen for whatever his reasons are. Amen. But the bottom line is that we know that God is going to be victorious and therefore, of course, we will be victorious also. Okay. But the fact that we have the Holy Spirit is why we groan. It is why we are dissatisfied. In the scripture, it is precisely the presence of Holy Spirit within you that causes you to feel this particular kind of groaning. All right. The longing for final redemption in the midst of a fallen world. It's because of the Holy Spirit that's in you. Okay. Those that have no relationship with Holy Spirit. Now, listen to this. Those those that have no relationship with Holy Spirit do not see that anything is wrong with this world and are content to leave life as it is. So the reason that you see something is wrong, the reason that you're groaning in your spirit, the reason why you get annoyed at what you hear going on and the reason that you feel the way you do about the present times that we're living is is because of God's Holy Spirit that is in you. Those that are comfortable about with the way things are going, those that are comfortable, uh, are comfortable with, with, with the attack on Christianity. OK, those that, that, that are comfortable with the lying, those that are comfortable with the double standards that we see in life, those that are comfortable with them. It's because of the fact they do not have Holy Spirit. OK, and because they don't they don't have Holy Spirit, they have no way of relating to what is right and what is wrong. All right. Because they don't have Holy Spirit. They have no way of relating to what is right and what is wrong. You heard me say this before, because by today's standards, what used to be wrong is now considered to be right. And what is wrong, you know, is now, and, and, and what is wrong is, is considered right in today's world. It's, it's the flip-flop. It's the opposites here. Okay. But the reason that you're groaning, the reason that you're dissatisfied, the reason you're feeling the way you are is because of Holy Spirit. Those that do not have Holy Spirit, nothing's wrong. All is good. Life is the way it should be. The presence of Holy Spirit in our lives reminds us of the stark contrast, the vivid contrast between the wonderful things that God has prepared for us who believe and this fallen world that is so full of sin, suffering and futility. Amen. It's the presence of the Holy Spirit that reminds us that there's a stark contrast between what's happening and going on in this world and what the life of God is all about and what living a godly life is all about. Amen. If we go to uh, Romans 8 and this, we want to pick up in 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searches the hearts, he that searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because he makes intercession for the saints, that's you and I, for the saints according to the will of God. Because he makes intercession for you and I, for the saints, according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are who are the called according to his purpose, according to his purpose. These two verses, 26 and 27, are so rich and so helpful in our lives in walking in the spirit. We learn that we are weak when we come to prayer. We are weak when it comes to prayer. We often don't know what to pray for in any given situation. 
Many times we simply just don't know what to pray for. The concern is not about the manner of prayer. Okay, the concern is not about the manner of prayer, which is the how, but rather the content, the content, the content of our prayers. What do we actually pray about? Okay, so it's not the manner how we go about praying. It's the content. What do we actually pray about? The infirmities of Christians are many and great infirmities, not just sickness, but the things that are going on in our lives that that can be so wrong. The things that the trials and tribulations, you know, are, are many and great. OK, we would be be, be, be overpowered. We simply be overpowered in, in our own abilities. Therefore, Holy Spirit supports us. OK, we have so many things going on in this world around us and personally in our personal lives and in the world around us, you know, that we, we would be power, powerless in our own ability to, to pray the right way. Therefore, the Holy Spirit supports us. We learn that Holy Spirit joins to help us when we are struggling to know how to pray by interceding for us with wordless groaning. The Spirit is searching our hearts. Holy Spirit is searching our hearts and knows that we have a mindset that is focused on him, even if we do not know exactly what we are supposed to pray. You got something going on in your life and you're, you're really you're over your head and wherever it is that you're, you're trying to get to or whatever's going on there. And you don't know how to pray. But Holy Spirit is searching your heart. It's searching your heart. And he knows that you're crying out to God, the father. He knows. So while you may know the what to pray for, you don't have the how or, or exactly how to structure that prayer. So the result is that our prayers are prayed according to the will of God because Holy Spirit is moving us on how to pray and presenting the prayers that he is guiding us to pray to the Father. Okay? So we give in to Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, then you just guide. You just guide my prayer. You just guide my prayer. You know? Holy Spirit can, can search your heart and he knows what's going on. And lastly, all things work together for good for those that love him. And that is truth. So the question is, how much do you love God? Okay, how much do you love him? How much do you trust him? How much do you trust him? Walking in the spirit again, I say, is that it's a lifelong journey. It's something that we need, need to practice. You don't get to the point where you say, well, I've been studying walking in the spirit. I've been walking in the spirit for 50 years. I can stop trying now. I can stop. This goes on and on and on until you go home to be with the Lord. Amen. Walking in the spirit. It's getting away from, it, it, it's getting away from, from our worldly, earthly, fleshly thinking. And letting God guide our actions. It's praying to God in that unknown tongue. It's praying to God in that heavenly language that Holy Spirit has given you. But you don't have to sit down and think about what it is that you want to pray about because your heart knows. Your spirit knows what it is that you need to pray about. Your heart knows, your spirit knows the things in life that are troubling you, the things that the issues of life, your family, your job, your your school, your finances, or whatever is happening in your locality, your neighborhood, your, your, your state, province, your country, whatever's going on. God knows what is troubling you. God knows what is troubling your spirit. So you pray to the Lord in your heavenly language. You pray to God and let Holy Spirit pray through you and act as an intercessor with God the Father. This is walking in the Spirit. 
The more you can get to the point where you can just relax and just say, I'm not going to entertain these these, these uh, fleshly, carnally minded things. I'm going to give it to the Lord. Let Holy Spirit guide me and surrender yourself to him. Then you will be successfully walking in the spirit. And you'll be surprised at how much Holy Spirit is just waiting and is so willing to just guide you, to reach out and touch you, to give you his insights, to give you his directions. He's the mind of God. He is God. So with him guiding you, you can't go wrong. You can't go wrong. You cannot go wrong. Walking in the spirit. Praise God, praise God. I hope this message was a blessing to you. And if it was, then pass on the link to us. We can be reached at www.genesis1.sermon.net. We're also on YouTube, um, Genesis 1 Christian Ministries. Uh, when you get to our website at genesis1.sermon.net, if you look at the top of the page, you'll see a subscribe button. Click on that subscribe button and you'll be notified automatically when these messages are available. Uh, we have our free apps, of course, for Android and Apple devices. Download them from the respectful, uh, from the uh, respectful, what do you call it, um, stores, Google or Apple stores. Uh, free of charge, then you can download these sermons, um, either the audio or the video portion or audio only portion from the apps. Free of charge. Everything is free here. You know, we just ask that you just listen and pass on these messages to others as Holy Spirit so guides, you know, and I pray that you're, you're blessed and continue to be blessed by Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Praise God. God is good. God is good all the time. And why don't we just close in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time that we've had with you, Lord God. And we pray that as we go through the balance of the day and the week ahead of us, O Lord God, that we shall remember these words, O Lord God. Let us always, O Lord, to remember the presence of Holy Spirit in our lives. Let us always try to align our thinking and, 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 and pull the junk down out of our minds that would keep us away from you, O Lord, in the name of Jesus. Help us to always have godly thoughts in the name of Jesus. Help us to remember to purge our minds, O Lord, so that the things of this world, the things of this life do not bog us down and weigh us down so that we cannot experience the joy of life that you have intended for us. Oh, Heavenly Father, we just praise you. We just magnify thy most glorious name. We thank you so much again for this time that we've had. We give it all to you, O Lord God, in the mighty name of Jesus. We praise you and we bless you and we magnify thy name in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God, praise God. Go forth and be blessed. And always remember that Jesus is Lord. And I sing praises to you.